Hi, I'm Elissa Nicole Trust, an actor and writer living in New York City. Hey, I'm Lauren Schaffel, an actress and producer also living in New York City. And, and we, we are Positive, Positive Creativity, Creativity Podcast. Positive Creativity is a podcast where we speak with writers, directors, and other artists about what they're working on, what's inspiring them, and how they stay positive in this industry. We are looking to shed light on all of the wonderful projects happening in New York and beyond. Our goal is to give creative artists a platform to talk about their work and to give theater and film lovers the opportunity to learn about more creatives and projects. Thanks for listening. This episode is brought to you with support from Ahava Theater Company. Kimberly Graham has been the Associate Casting Director for Judy Henderson Casting since 2003. She casts for film, television, commercials, and theater. Her office was the pioneer for voiceover casting for video games, primarily the Grand Theft Auto series. Her office casts for off-Broadway theaters such as The New Group, The Play Company, The Director's Company, and Pig Iron Theater Company in Philadelphia. Kimberly has helped cast such films as Avatar, Paranormal Activity 2, and Rick Linklater's Before Midnight, among others. Her work on Homeland for Showtime has garnered numerous awards, including Ardios and Emmy Awards for Outstanding Casting in a Drama. Kimberly frequently teaches workshops in New York City, Boston, D.C., Savannah, Jacksonville, Philadelphia, Miami, Paris, Berlin, Istanbul, and more. Welcome, Kim. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure. I read on, we read on your website that you used to be an opera singer, which is so cool. So can you tell us your story about how you made the switch from being a singer to being a casting director? Sure. So I did it all wrong. Um, <laughs> I, I was I was singing professionally for about 10 years all over, and um, then I moved to New York and quit. <laughs> um, I Part of it, part of it too, was like I just kind of got burnt out. I, I was, I remember one of my last gigs. I was a finalist for the Chicago Lyric Opera Program, and I was sitting in a hotel in uh, in Chicago. I'm just feeling really lonely. I'd been on the road, and I was missing friends and my family, and I just didn't feel like I had a, a home. And I thought, you know, maybe I'll just take a break. And so I went back, moved in with my parents in Connecticut. And worked for like six months and realized that like there was nothing there for me anymore. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I made the move to New York and, you know, just got a job waiting tables and trying to figure out my next move. And I, I, I suspect, had suspected it would call me back and it didn't. And so I just kind of went, all right, well, what's next? But I knew I wasn't going to just plop myself down in New York and be a waiter the rest of my life. Um and a friend of mine that I was working with in one of the restaurants, she was, she's an actress, and she was like, you know, you might be really good at casting. And I didn't know what that entailed or what it was about or how you got in. Um, but uh, I connected with a couple places and as an intern, and um, Judy Henderson hired me as an intern. And uh, I was able to collect unemployment so I could just kind of jump in with both feet um, full time. And her associate... And I had become friendly and she was moving to another casting office. And she said, I want to recommend you for my job. And, you know, I was only two weeks into this internship, so I wasn't sure. Like, I didn't think Judy would offer it to me, quite honestly. I was like, I'm, you know, I'm so new here. Why would she do that? You know, it's a, such a big jump. Um, but 
she did. And so I guess I just took that as like, there's a reason this is happening and just go in and you'll figure it out. And that was in 2003. Wow. So you have been with Judy Henderson your whole career? Yeah, exactly. That's amazing. Yeah. I think she likes me. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) That is amazing. And the two of you have worked on Homeland for several years. Um, Can you tell us what, what was the best part of working on Homeland or some, some highlights from, from your time? Oh, wow. There's so many. Um, I think just, you know, working with such an incredible team of people. um, I I mean, it was just the creme de la creme of what you would want, you know, Um, the writing was so good. It it just, everything, I don't know. I, I felt like I got like a free Harvard education, Hmm. You know, just by, you know, I was just so enamored with everybody and just like a sponge. I just, you know, I love learning. And I was just like, teach me more. Teach me how this TV thing works. And, and you know, you know, working internationally, trying to find actors from all over the world. Um, it really stretched me um, as a casting director. And we were very, very fortunate to get the kind of casts that we got. So, um that was a real joy. That's awesome. So what do you love the most about casting that you're looking forward to going back to someday, whenever we can be in rooms together again? Right. Well, I mean, my favorite part is giving people a job. (laughs) You know, I, I, you know, that's, that's such a great, so satisfying, you know, when they say, go ahead and let's book this actor. And they're just like, yay, you know, (laughs) Um, I love it. But then, you know, the, the opposite is, you know, the worst part is not being able to get somebody a job, you know? Um, so, I mean, it can be a little emotional, but, um, yeah, I just, yeah, I love meeting actors and discovering people and all the stuff that comes with that. Yeah. I'm curious, have there, have there ever been times when you're casting when, Maybe you you have somebody come into audition and you can just tell you're like, oh man, this person would be so right for a role. But for whatever reason, maybe there's nerves involved or, or something's going on. Have you ever taken the moment to to kind of have to work with an actor in a room or calm an actor down? And what what's that like? Oh, sure. I mean, you know, I get it. I mean, I, while I was in opera, I still had to audition. So I know what that feels like. And, you know, um, and I, you know, I know what you guys come in in the room with, you know, you're, you're, you're thinking about, you know, you really want to get this job and you want to impress the casting director and I got to get my words perfect. And, you know, <laughs> you kind of come in with all that stuff. Um, and, you know, I, what I try to do, you know, when you come into the room is, you know, I just, I talk to you guys for a little bit before mm. we get started just to kind of calm you down. Love that. Um, I did have, you know, I just because it was the, probably one of the most recent, there was a guy that came in and I, I could just tell he wasn't on his game, but it wasn't that he was not a good actor. And he kept, you know, can I start over? Can I start over? And I was like, no, let's just take a, let's just take a few minutes. I got time. And, you know, I was just asking him about like, you know, what you've been up to lately? Where are you from? You know what I mean? Until I could sort of tell that he was in a much better place and calm. 
And I was like, all right, let's do the scene again. And then he was fine. And I remember him walking out and just looking at me and he said, thank you for that. And I was like, because I knew he wasn't going to be able to execute in the headspace that he was in. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I took it upon myself to be like, no, this is not because he's not a good actor. He's just, he's just not connected right now. Mm. So I kind of distracted him, if you will. I think that speaks to not only your keen eye as a casting director, recognizing when somebody has, you know, talent and, but also the generosity of spirit to, to be like, all right, let's, let's just take that moment in a room. Uh, There's always this, this idea that like, you know, we're the bat, we're the enemies or something, you know, like, like I'm, I'm bringing you in to sabotage you. And I just think, you know, wait a minute, I need you guys. You need me. Like we all need each other to make this whole thing happen. So if I'm bringing you in, I'm already your fan because I think you can do it. You know, now ultimately it's not my decision, but you know, you have to come in and think that we're your champions. You know what I mean? We're trying, somebody hired us based on our taste to give them what they need. Right. Right. So I, you know, you guys are my resume. And so I show people who I think my client would respond to and you know you hope to make a good piece of art at the end of the day so you know it's there's there's only positive in this not negative I mean we understand auditioning is a very unnatural process we get it you know what I mean I know when you have all the things all the tools you know you can execute much better and that's why auditioning in itself it's its own art form in a way Mm. you know because you don't have all the stuff So you have to focus on what's the most important thing about the scene. And that's about the relationship you're having in front of me with the other character. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And what you said before about being our champion and wanting actors to succeed is actually something that's come up a few times on the podcast. So I hope that's something that our listeners come away with is that the people in the room want you to succeed. And so some of that nervousness and anxiety that is just natural in the audition process, because like you said, it is sort of an unnatural thing to do that we all do all the time. Um, I, I hope that that just helps. Well, think about, think about it this way. I mean, you go to a Broadway show, you pay what a hundred dollars, whatever the ticket is, right. You don't go in there and say, boy, I hope this sucks. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you go in, you're like, I hope they do a really good job. So like there's that, you know, maybe that's not the best analogy, but idea that you come into the room and I'm just like, yay, I hope you nail this. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's what I I would say. It's not, it's not a sabotage thing. You know, I need you guys, you know, if I, I need you guys to do for me to do my job. So why would I come at it any other way than being your champion and, you know, nailing it? And when you say it like that, it's like, of course, logically, that makes so much sense. And yet, it doesn't, I think sometimes people are just so nervous that it's, it's hard to see it that way. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I tell a story um, about an actress that I knew who actually came into the industry a little older, you know, she wasn't fresh out of school and she was really special. And we cast her in a play and bring her in for things. And I hadn't seen her in a while, but I, I did notice she got like three national network commercials 
And so I'd seen her again afterwards and I was like, Hey, you know, cha-ching, good for you. You know? And she said, you know, the last time I saw you, I didn't even know how I was going to pay my rent and I almost quit Mm -hmm. acting. And she said, now I could buy my own apartment. And so I'd asked her, I said, you know, what happened? And she said, you know, I was getting so desperate. Every time I went into the room, I had to book this job. I had to book this job. And she said, so I couldn't execute, you know, the audition the way I wanted to. She said, and I think I just literally exhausted myself and said, you know, I don't want to swear, but F it. Um, Somebody's going to want this. And she said, and the minute I said that to myself, I started booking again. Hmm. And after that, she was Tony nominated. And she's on the TV show right now. Oh, that's so inspiring. Yeah. And I think that's, that's such a familiar experience, I think, for a lot of artists that there is that pressure. There's the pressure, you know, to do a good job, but there's the pressure if you go further down the line of like, how am I going to live? How am I going to have a roof over my head and eat? But I also think, too, that sometimes as an artist, you walk into maybe a, an audition or a casting office and you don't know what's been going on all day. Like sometimes you walk into a room and you're like, there's a weird energy in here. Like it feels like somebody just died. <laughs> um, <laughs> but what, I, what I've always admired about you, Kim, in your office and in your class is that it it always feels like a, a safe and a, and a warm and a welcoming space. And you just even taking the time to have a moment to talk to actors, that makes a world of difference in alleviating some of those pressures and maybe weird feelings that come in when you're like, oh, I'm coming into somebody's home here for the next uh, 10 minutes. Yeah, you know, because look, here, here's, here's what I say. You're going to spend the majority of your career auditioning. And if you don't learn how to love the process, then why are we doing this? You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, we all want to book a job, of course. But if you could just enjoy the process, I mean, take every one of those moments when you're auditioning and say, this is my time and I get to I get to play. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, for sure. And it, it's an opportunity to do what we love, even if it is two minutes or five minutes or 10 minutes. It's we sh- it's something we should see as an opportunity versus trying to get a job. Well, I can tell you, you know, having done this long enough that, you know, the people that are out there that are auditioning a lot and that are working a lot have really mastered that art of just coming into the room owning the space, playing in it and leaving and leaving everything there mm-hmm. and going on to their next job. I mean, it, otherwise you're just going to be in a mental headspace. that's going to, you know, hurt you, not help you. You know, my, my friend Grant Shaw said to me once, I get, I get the roles I'm supposed to get. Mm. Yeah. And I think if you come at it that way, you know what I mean? It's like, if you go on audition, you're like, Oh, you're, you know, I didn't get the role and I wonder who booked it. And, and you look and it's, it's a guy. <laughs> well, oh, you can't do too much about that. Can you, you know, um, right. you can't worry about that, but you're playing the long game. Right. You're playing the long game. You're trying to get on our radars. You know, if you, if you didn't book the job I brought you in for, I know your work and something else comes up and be like, Hey, Lauren would be great for this. Or Alyssa would be great. For, you know what I mean? Like, it's about, as people say, booking the office. 
mm. and getting on more radars, you know? Yes. No, it's true. Um, I've heard the term booking the room before mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. So even talking about all of this feels so strange <laughs> given the times we're in. Um, it's currently July. So how have you been staying creative and positive these last few months? Um, you know, it's interesting. I thought, oh God, we're on lockdown. You know, I'm going to have all this free time. And I've actually been in a way more busier than ever. Huh. And I've been more tired than ever. Um, and I think it's, you know, look, I mean, I have good days and I have bad days. And I think that's a very natural thing, you know? Um, I would say when I first got on lockdown, I was, you know, sleeping in for the first week or two being like, who cares? What's a day, you know, kind of a little pity party. And then I was like, okay, well, I can't sustain that. That's crazy. So, um, you know, I, I, you know, I started, I do a lot of zoom calls with friends that I never would have connected if it wasn't for the pandemic. So that's been really great, you know, just for my soul. Um, and you know, I started teaching online and I just kind of went, I just went forward. I was like, all right, pivot. I mean, that's what you do, right? You pivot. And so I've been teaching a lot online. I'm I'm very grateful for that because it is one of the things that I love to do. Um, you know, I was bummed because when this all went down, I had a six week tour scheduled for Northern Europe and Russia to teach. And so that went bye-bye in the car. Um, Mm -hmm. But, you know, it's been great because now I can connect with people all over the world via Zoom and and still be able to work with them. So that's been that's been really that's filled me up. But I will say I did have to pull back a little bit this month because I am on the Zoom so much that it really does exhaust you because it's what I realized, you know, because, I'm you know, before I'd work, you know, 40, 60 hours a week, I'd teach a couple days you know, nights on the weekends or whatever. And I'm thinking, why am I more tired now? I'm not doing as much, but I think it's because we're pushing through this, this, uh, computer, right. We're not getting the energy back to us. Mm. You know, it's like when you're in a room of people, you know, and you're feeding off each other's energies. Like I'm just sitting in front of a machine talking, you know, it's, it's weird. It's very draining. Yeah. Zoom fatigue is real. I was going to say the exact same thing. That's so funny. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I totally, I totally get that. I've been doing some acting classes on zoom and it really, yeah, I think it, it is interesting because you're like, in some ways it's so much more, I feel almost relaxing to be able to just act in your living room in front of your computer, right. you're like, oh, I don't need to get on the subway. I don't need to like, right. you know, worry about like meeting somebody at a certain time to rehearse or whatever it is, or getting to the studio to be in my class or my audition. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also so strange. Yeah. One of the things that I, when I first started teaching online is like everybody was sort of pushing themselves vocally you know, through Zoom. And I'd be like, wait a minute, like, you have to forget about Zoom, you have to like play in your space again. Yeah, you wouldn't be making those choices if you were in the room and the person was right in front of you. But it's that idea. It's kind of like, you know, you know, when people were starting to wear headphones and listening to loud music, and then 
you know, they'd be standing right in front of you being like, what's for dinner? You know, screaming. And you're like, why are you yelling? It's because <laughs> the, the, their spatial reality is distorted. And so yes. the idea of working through Zoom, I have to constantly tell my actors, forget about Zoom, play in your room now, play in your small space again. Yeah. And let us observe you because I don't want to be a part of your scene. Right. It's almost like your computer becomes your, it's like you're making your own film right in front of you. Like it's, that's actually one thing I do love about watching people on zoom. You're like, wow, I feel like this could be on my television when it's really going well. You're like, I'm just watching my favorite show right now because these actors are just talking. They're being filmed on the screen. It's super cool. Yeah. And also too, because you're in different locations, like if your readers, you know, somebody else on zoom like you don't have your boyfriend or your husband or whatever in the room with you to do it um you know you there's that sort of seduction to to push vocally through Mm -hmm. and then what it does is it distorts that that spatial reality and so you have to just say trust that we can hear you and we can see you and yes play in your space and and because i'm still looking at it as a cinematic experience it's the same thing as if i was watching your self-tape or if i was watching you on the monitor in the room right so I'm still trying to get those results, but you know, I understand too, on your end, you are creating, you are working on in unnatural circumstances to create uh, the effect of something natural to me. Yeah. So it's weird. It is weird. And I totally get it. So I'm curious with all that, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on what, what do you think is going to come out of these kind of this changes in the pandemic? Do you see kind of more auditions or self tapes coming up virtually? Um, what do you, what are you thinking about of what that's going to look like in the coming? Who knows? Yeah. I mean, I, I think we're not through this, like we're not even halfway through this pandemic, right? You know, it's still right. hot spots everywhere. And so, and you know, we're, you know, we're also going to be dealing with a lot of sort of PTSD, you know, of, you know, we all got thrown into the unknown. Um, yeah. So I think it's, I think we're going to be working this way for a while. Um, you know, a lot of, even before the pandemic, you know, a lot of casting offices had to give up their brick and mortars and mm-hmm. did a lot more self-taping. And, and it's interesting because I, I was doing self-tape auditions before they were in you know, just because of the nature of Homeland, you know, we were shooting all over the world. So um, I had to get my actors from wherever. But right. it was, you know, I think it's going to, you know, there there probably be like callback auditions via Zoom or something like that. Um, some like I'm working on a couple little things, but they're they're mostly like offers and like, you know, it's like, well, we hope to shoot in August. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, like I can go so far with it, you know, like I checked somebody's availabilities and they're like, yeah, they're available, but <laughs> right. You know, like, are they willing to travel? Like it's, it's, yeah. it's, a, it's, a, it's a weird thing to negotiate through, but um, I'm hopeful, you know, I'm hopeful. I watched, uh, I watched a television Academy forum with some like uh, the, like Jada Pinkett's production company and Nickelodeon and ABC sort of taught them talking about like what happened when they were in the middle of shooting something and had to, you know, finish it up through this uh, pandemic. And, you know, I mean, everybody, like I said, we're artists, we know how to pivot and get creative. And I think that, you know, there's a lot of talk about, you know, working through zoom, 
there's talks about, you know, maybe creating quarantine cities, if you will, where the, you know, the huh. will go and quarantine themselves together for 14 days and then shoot. And then when you're finished, quarantine yourself for 14 days. But then there you go. There's a month added on to that. Um, there's talks about, you know, sort of uh, skeletal, you know, productions um, in terms of crew. Some are talking about uh, robotic camera work, you know, like, um, yeah, I mean, there's, I think there's a whole bunch of ideas being thrown out there. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Somebody said something to the other day about a rumor that, um, that moving forward, they were going to do away with guest stars and co-stars. And I was like, mm. how's that going to work? I don't, I, yeah. I'm shooting a stadium right, right away, but you know, I don't know. I don't know. It'll be interesting. Yeah, it will be interesting to see what comes out of this. But I guess at this point, it's everybody's first time in a pandemic, clearly. <laughs> and so everyone all, everyone is just you know putting out all of these ideas, and some of them will stick, and it'll become the new normal. Yeah, I mean, it's like, I, I mean, I, I get the question. It's just, it kind, it's kind of funny to me because I'm like, Dude, I don't know. I was thrown into this like you were. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> totally. You know, so I've also been, you know, kind of keeping my ears open and listening to what people are talking about moving forward. But um, that's all I can tell you. No, totally. I feel like we're, we're all in this place of uncertainty where it's like we're looking at the numbers each day and the cases rising here or flattening here. It's just anybody's guess, I guess, what uh, what things are going to look like. Yeah. It's also a weird time right now, I think, because we're in the summer and probably by the time it's released, it'll be the fall. But um, I think by now we thought we would be in a different place. And we and like you said, we're not even <laughs> like even <laughs> almost out of this. But um, but like in March, I think we thought July probably would be OK, or at least I did. I did. Yeah, we all did. Well, because you know what? You know, one thing I'll give credit to New Yorkers, because I was in the epicenter, literally a mile and a half from Elmhurst Hospital, that oh, got man. hit the hardest right away, was that we had we have good leadership and we hunkered down and we did what we had to do. And I think what gets frustrating is that if everybody just did what they had to do, we could have had a July where we could go out and hang out with friends again you know, and not worry about social distancing or wearing masks, but we can't do that, you know? And so the further this keeps going along and you still see these quote unquote hotspots around the country. Um, and I think people forget, like, you know, people say, well, that was New York. That didn't hit our area. It's like, it affects Mm -hmm. everybody, Mm -hmm. everybody. And, you know, you just have to be smart about this. If we want to get out of this, everybody's got to do their part. But you know what? You can't necessarily go on good faith, right? You can't say, could you please wear a mask? You know, that's like saying at a four-way stop, yeah, the stop sign's there, and, and it'd be great if you'd stop. <laughs> I know. Like, that yeah. don't have laws. <laughs> you know, we need to pass yeah. laws and, you know, fine people for not doing it. Um, yeah. Because otherwise this thing is not going to go away. And I, I'd, I'd be remiss to say that this is not going to be our last pandemic either unfortunately, mm-hmm. especially in the era of global, you know, global warming. 
Mm-hmm. Climate change is real, folks. When you have the Arctic temperatures up to 101 degrees, Whew. that is not a good sign. Oh, man. Yeah, I agree with everything you're saying. And actually, Lauren's going to laugh because on every podcast, I have to recommend some book or some other podcast. (laughs) But there's a doctor that I follow called Dr. Michael Greger. He he writes about um, evidence-based nutrition. And I got into the plant-based thing about a year, year and a half ago. And um, he recently came out with a book about pandemics. I think it's called How to Survive a Pandemic because his other books are called How Not to Die and How Not to Diet. Um, But I haven't checked it out yet, but essentially it's what you said. Like It's not going to be our last pandemic, which is really scary to think about. Um, And also I'm going to give it to New Yorkers, like you said, because so on March 12th, my mom picked me up from my apartment on the Upper East Side um, to go to her house. And I was planning on being there for five days just because my fiance was flying back from LA. And I was a little bit nervous to be with him right after he had been on the flight because things, it was right around, it was the day I think that Broadway shut down. Um, And then I hadn't been anywhere except the front yard or the backyard of my mom's condo on Long Island in many months. And then in June went to Brooklyn to see this apartment that I'm moving into in a couple of days. And, um, it was when we went to pick up my fiance around March 20th or so, I was like, do they not know we're in a pandemic? Like what's happening? Why is no one wearing a mask? It was so busy here. It was really quite scary. And then in June, when I was in Brooklyn, it was literally culture shock because I hadn't seen anyone in person except for my fiance and my mom. And every single person I saw in Brooklyn was wearing a mask. And I was like, well, that's why the cases are going down here. And that is, and it, but it, it was also sort of a weird thing to see in person, I guess. I don't, I don't even know what I'm saying, but I, I I feel what you're saying because I remember like when we first got on lockdown and, you know, there were some people, some people had masks and some didn't. And I remember just my thinking, I was like, okay, that seems a little extreme, right? <laughs> well, two weeks later, you know, I, when I'd go out and I'd have a mask on and I'd see somebody without one, I was like, wear your mask. You know, you're just so angry. So it's amazing how it can change just in a matter of weeks where, yes. you know what I mean? You, you know, you would see people on occasion wear a mask, like just before the pandemic, you know, and you'd be like, all right, that's a little weird. You know what I mean? And then you're like, maybe they, maybe they knew something. Like maybe they, yeah. maybe they had some inside scoop that we didn't know about. Um, yeah, but yeah, that's so- weird. It's, it's definitely weird. But I'll tell you, New Yorkers, you know, man, we got through nine eleven. Um, you know, we just we know what we have to do. We know what we have to do. It's you know, and and I think the saddest part when all this is said and done is that if, if we had good leadership in the on the federal level. And everybody literally just stopped for two weeks. Mm. Shut, just shut down for two weeks. What we could have done. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. For sure. Maybe shut down some Twitter accounts for uh, longer than two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been good. Oh, God. It's like, oh, God. It's like a freak show, though, right? You can't turn, your, you can't turn away. It's true. <laughs> I know. It's so true. 
So, Kim, going in a little bit of a different direction, <laughs> um, you spoke about teaching. Um, it's really amazing what you're doing. When did you, we heard about how you got into casting, but when did you start teaching and realize it was something that you loved? You know, it's interesting because when I first started uh, casting, I most of our work was television, I mean, sorry, commercials, theater and film, no television, right? And And we cast a lot of you know, voiceovers and whatnot. And so I would be working with an actor in the room and they'd say, do you coach? And I'm like, oh no, 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 not me. Like you should go to this person or this person. And they're like, you, you should really teach. You know, like I just kind of kept coming at me and I thought, all right, you know, um, I'll do some voiceover classes. So I did a couple of those and those were going pretty well. And then people tell me, yeah, I'm not really into voiceover, but if you ever do an on-camera, and I would always say, oh, you know, you should, you should go to this person or this person. I thought I'm only going to jump in if I feel like I can offer something unique, you know? Um, and I don't know, it just kind of, it just kind of evolved and I really enjoyed it. And then it kind of, you know, I t- I've taught pretty much at every place possible here in New York. And then I was like, huh, how can I teach out of town? And, and all of a sudden, I don't know, I feel like if you put something out in the universe, it's quite interesting because I was trying to figure out how to do it out of town. And then I had a woman take a class of mine and she she was really good. And I was like, why don't I know you? And she's like, well, I live in Florida. And I'm like, why? (laughs) She, well, she's an acting coach. She's like, listen, you know, I really like your style. Um, Would you be willing to come down and, you know, teach? And I was like, oh, there's my out of town thing. Yeah, sure. So she was really helpful in getting me, you know, into like, I did Jacksonville, Savannah a couple times, Atlanta. Um, I connected with somebody in Miami, uh, somebody in Austin, somebody in LA, Nebraska. Like I just, wow. it just kind of like fired up. Right. And then um, there was a company that brought me to London a few times and then I remember I, t- I remember I took a trip. Uh, I was planning a trip after one season of Homeland with my boyfriend. I was like, we need to go on a holiday. Like every time we're free, we go and see, you know, family or friends. And I like, I just want to have like a vacation. So I booked us for London and Paris. And I remember spotlight would email me and be like, would you teach, you know, a class in London? Because I was using their service to find actors um, in Europe when, when I was casting Homeland and I was like, Oh yeah. So I'm not actually there, but like, if you want to bring me and pay me and they were like, Oh yeah, well we're a not for profit, but if you ever find yourself in London, let us know. And so I thought with that trip, I was like, you know, I've already been to London a couple of times. Maybe, you know, why not see if I could book some workshops when I'm there. So I reached out to spotlight and they were like, yes. And so I ended up, I think I did two and I was like, Oh, it's kind of paying for my trip a little bit. That's nice. And then part of me was like, you know what? I wonder if they have anything in Paris. So I found this connection. I reached out to the guy. And the funny thing was he actually is, uh, he was actually from Brooklyn. Um, But he went out to Paris years ago as a filmmaker, fell in love, had a kid and just stayed. 
Um, and so he's like, yeah, let me set up some workshops. So I ended up doing three workshops in Paris and then two in London. So it actually wasn't a vacation at this point, (laughs) 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 but it was great. And so then I had that connection. And so I, I've been a couple times to Paris and then I, I had a weird connection in Germany. This woman was, she, she had emailed me about taking my class and I was like, okay, you're all set. She was like, can I confirm that I'm in the class? And I was like, yes, you're confirmed. You know, like, what's the thing? And she's like, cause I have to make travel arrangements. And I was like, where the hell are you coming from? You know, I mean, I've had people take classes that live in DC or Philly or, you know what I mean? Right. What is she talking about? And then she tells me that she's coming from Germany. Right. (laughs) Wow. Can, can, Can she bring me anything? And I'm like, no, you don't have to bring me anything. So she shows up to my class and she turns out she's a lawyer in Frankfurt and couldn't finish the three week class that she had signed up for because she had to go back for a case. And I was like, I feel terrible. Like you came all the way here. And she was like, well, no, would would you come to Germany if I arranged it? And I was like, sure. So like, I've just had these like weird connections, you know what I mean? Um, And then my friend uh, who I met, who worked on Homeland, she's from Croatia. And she was like, hey, would you want to come to Croatia and teach? I'll set something up. And I was like, okay. <laughs> so <laughs> it just been a weird, and she's the one that actually set up my European tour um, uh, in the fall and the one that was supposed to happen in May. So, yeah, I mean, it's just been fun. And I think, like, once you get there and if they like your work, they're they're like, oh, we want to bring you back. You know, we want to bring you back. So I'm like, hey, I'll I'll do this full time. That's fun. So cool. Yeah. Amazing. That is amazing. Yeah. And I hope that 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 tour is able to be rescheduled for some time in the future. Oh, I hope so. Because I was really looking forward to it. Yeah. Man, that sounds so cool. It's fun to it's fun for me. I mean, I'm learning as much as they're learning from me. Right. Because one of the things I took away from that experience especially the six week trip, you know, because that, that was a long time, you know, being out of the country and moving from, you know, different cultures like Turkey and and Italy, you know, as you, their sensibilities and how they approach the work um, and, and their markets, you know, how, how they get their jobs. And it's, it's really fascinating. You know, I mean, everybody ultimately, we'd love to work in the United States, but um, you know, just within their, their markets, you know, how they get their jobs and, you know, some don't have unions. So hmm. some people are contracted through theater companies. Um, you know, France is a system where you're either a, 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 an actor in cinema or you're an actor in TV. They do not mix. Hmm. They don't have a lot of respect for television actors. Um wow. Well, because French, you know, French cinema is, you know, yeah, so the high art, right? Right. Uh, but it's interesting because, you know, they have a system in their government where if as long as they work 10 weeks in their field, then the government will supplement them. Huh. Living expenses, right? But then, yeah. so what if you get, what if you only work uh, eight out of the 10 weeks you need, you need those two more weeks for the year, you might just go and do background work on a film. So there's no like rhyme or reason to it. It's just, you know what I mean? You could be a lead in, you know, a couple films, but then you need those two weeks. So then you just pop on and you do a background uh, extra. 
So it's, it's weird. Like you wouldn't do that here. You know what I'm saying? Or maybe right. you don't tell anybody, but you know, it's, <laughs> it's just like, you know, so it's hard to even read their CVs over there because they're just kind of all over the place. You know? Yeah. Wow. That is really interesting and really cool that you get to see how the industries are in other places. Yeah. Like in Turkey, you know, you can be a casting director and an agent. Whoa. I know. Think of that it. sounds like some conflicts of interest, but all right. <laughs> well, yeah. So the argument, I mean, you know, these, I've, I've heard it in Germany and I've heard it in Turkey. You know, they're like, you see the same 50 people all the time. Right. Doing everything, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it's really, they find it very frustrating to get in front of representation because it's like, unless they know you from somewhere or through someone, it's very difficult. Um, I mean, I ran into that a little bit when we were casting in Berlin, you know, um, and they're, they're a very reputable casting office in Berlin. But, you know, if, if a submission came through me and I'd say, Hey, can you guys put them down locally? If they didn't know them, you know, they would just say, we don't know their work. And I'm like, hmm. well, okay, well, why don't you just put them down if they're terrible? And then now we know, you know, it was, it, yeah. was, it was really interesting to see that reluctancy towards kind of opening up their net a little bit. So then I was like, all right, fine. So I would just have the person self tape and then it'd go through me. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Yeah. So actually that brings me to something that I've been thinking about do you think that after coming out of the pandemic, it's going to be as important to live in a city like New York or LA or Atlanta? Um, in the US, I don't think it's. I don't think you know. Even pre-pandemic, there was that urgency. You know what I mean? Like it, years ago, it was like you go to LA for television, you go to New York for theater. Well, you know, we, we just. I think the bigger thing might be making yourself locally available in terms of hiring you know what I'm saying like I mean I know actors that lived in New York for years and moved down to Atlanta the economy's better they can raise their kids you know they've got you know a yard you know things like that and you know just would self-tape and then if we hired them we'd fly them from wherever they were but obviously it's 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 always nicer for the production if you know they hire as locally as possible. Right. So it makes things easier. Yeah. I mean, I think that's more of the, I think that's probably a bigger thing than saying, you know, uh, I'm, I'm like, you'd have to fly me from New York to LA or whatever. Um, it's not that it's impossible. It depends on the budgets. I mean, it, it's, there's not one answer to this, I guess is what I'm saying. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you so much for all of your wisdom and for sharing your experiences with us. Oh, thank you. It was a pleasure. It was fun talking to you girls. Yeah. Thank you so much, Cam. And your your humor and your, your just kind of wit and refreshing insight into the business. It's just, it's really wonderful. So thank you. Well, thank you. I mean, life's hard enough. You got to find the humor in it, right? For sure. For sure. Thank you so much for listening. We always love hearing from you. You can email us at positivecreativitypodcast at gmail.com and follow us on Instagram at positivecreativitypodcast. And for more info on our guest today, please view the show notes. Join us next time on Positive Creativity Podcast.